You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Nick. Same corner, same time, brethren. How y'all feeling? <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to see you guys. Had a had an epic family reunion weekend down in uh, beautiful Lake Placid, Florida. Did Man, you guys did you keep guys... going to these weird places in Florida? Lake Placid is a lot more unweird than the place I went, Wachula. That's true. <laughs> Dan, um, have you guys figured out how to family union correct yet? Do you guys have shirts and stuff like that? No, we, no? we do not family reunion correctly. Uh, years ago, they used to. So my family, just to give you guys a little bit of a story, uh, has been in Florida for – I'm an eighth-generation Floridian. So, you know, Shout for the that. last, you know, eight or nine generations, my family's been here. So uh, we've got family all over the state of Florida, so north, south, east, west. So try to bring as many people together so – that, that Lake Placid, Sebring area is a, is a pretty central location. but uh, I, know you know, a, good. I know a great place in Rotula if you need to uh, host it next year. That, our family – so my my part of the family hosts it in two years. So uh, in two years we'll do a uh, – I'll ask you for that recommendation. I got you. How was your, how was your weekend, Nick? Whole lot of nothing. Uh, just watching college baseball. Um, mm. Still getting called out about my hot U- USF take from a week ago. Um, still getting dragged. Um, Nick, Nick, you got dragged on ESPN this weekend. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that? Yeah, I was called a certain Gator uh, beat reporter. That's my. I, I need to change my at on Twitter to at certain Gator beat reporter. Um, but yeah, they, uh, apparently my tweet that USF was not very good made its way to the USF clubhouse. Um, and I think honestly, if I'm being a hundred percent dead ass honest, if they uh-huh. were, if they would have went on to win the college world series, I should have gotten a ring. Cause apparently I was their motivation. Uh, unfortunately hook them horns, beat them two Oh in the super regional. So, uh, that ends the, uh, the bulls season. Do you think that they were too focused on your tweets and less focused on baseball this this weekend? I mean, I would say that I was like probably their Tony Robbins. I was big motivational speaker to them. Okay, um, they needed something to rally around. I, I seized the opportunity and gave them something to rally around. Probably helped them win the regional. Um, yeah. I should have fired off some more negative tweets. Honestly, maybe they would have beat Texas. Probably, but, uh, but I, I stayed quiet. I, I went humble because I'm a humble guy, as you guys know. Yeah, uh, went yeah. humble for the super regional, and they didn't have the same kind of motivation. Hmm. Corey, how was your weekend, bud? Uh, my weekend was beautiful, man. It's work. That's about it. It's work, family, man. Same old, same old. Uh, I'm gonna mix it up this this weekend coming up, man. It's Father's Day. Woo! Woo! Big talk. big socks coming. Yeah, yeah. Big socks, big ties. Big socks. What are you guys getting for Father's Day? Uh, <laughs> I'm not a father. <laughs> Nothing. That's nobody. That's that. Nobody that, call that. y'all daddy. The the best the best Father's Day present is to say, hey, maybe next year. That's the, yeah. best, that's the best Father's Day present I got right now. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the only Father's Day present I'm gonna give to myself is a high five and congratulate myself on another year of not being a father. That's unfortunate. Ooh. Nobody calls y'all daddy. That's crazy. Here you go, Dan. Uh, yeah. Boom. 
Well, shout out to the guy that uh, shout, shout out to the one guy on the show that don't wear condoms. Me, man. Father's Day this weekend. So shout out to all the fathers. We're gonna get a lot of socks, a lot of ties, a lot of barbecue uh grilling kits. You know, the same per usual, but what about love? Have have we have we created that movement yet? Because when I asked you what's the difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day, you said love. You think yeah. the movement is gonna be enough? We're gonna get some love this weekend. I expect the kids not to throw the socks at me when they open the door. They may hand them to me in a nice, nice gift bag. Okay. Now I just think Mother's Day is just different. Like you, I, you guys didn't even remember it was Father's Day. Y'all haven't bought y'all dad nothing. I could tell. I got my dad socks, of course. He needed a new <laughs> you pair. See what I'm he needed some new tube socks that because uh, the old ones have green grass stains on them, and you can't you can't have that. You got to. Where'd you buy mom? Mom got mom gets a bunch. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, see what I'm saying? It's, like, it's, it's different. Yeah. Dad's got different. dad's gotten all the gifts. The uh, he's gotten the spatula with like the gator head logo in it. He's gotten socks. He's gotten ties. He's gotten hmm. golf balls. Golf balls. I've gotten those for him. Yeah, fathers' lives matter, bro. I'm start this movement. <laughs> so, look, I was able to see my dad this weekend, which was great. But but you're right. I, I need to go shopping for him. So I'll be doing that uh, tomorrow. See? Getting that. Uh, I might know, go I Sunday morning for my dad. I had a perfect opportunity <laughs> to give him a card, give him a gift in person. But here I am. You know, gonna have to mail it. You know. Yeah. Keep the postal service in work. Uh, speaking of um, you know special occasions, obviously a much less or special occasion than Father's Day. Uh, we celebrate our two year uh, Stadium and Gale anniversary. Silk, um, nice. so Nick, addition to the show over the last eight weeks or so. Uh, but Silk, Nick, over the last eight you know two years, uh, Nick, eight weeks. What have been some of your favorite moments? Maybe some of your favorite interviews you've had. My favorite interview is still probably. Um, Chris Rainey is just yep. hard to beat. Um, I have to think about it, but I had some fun with it with a few people that came and hung out with us. But the Chris Rainey one was just like uh emotional. He he, he took us to some levels where it was just deeper than football. So that's yep. just one of my all-time favorite interviews, period. Because it was just real. Yeah, no, I would say as Silk, you bring up a, a great point there. Um, that Chris Rainey episode is still one of my favorites. Uh, obviously the the Urban Meyer interview uninterrupted for what an hour and fifteen minutes or so uh, that was a ton of fun. Uh, I mean, but we've we've had so many you know great people from Danny Werfel to you know Reed L. Anthony to you know people that I grew up idolizing to you know writers and um, you know announcers, people that we grew up watching on TV and listening to on the radio. It's been a, a, a really incredible uh, two years. Nick, in the last uh, you know eight weeks or so or in your time of being around San Miguel, what are some things that you remember? Um, I remember I was, the, uh, I was on the first show. You were? I was a guest on the first show. I think um, I complained about not being on enough. Yep, that sounds about right. And now I'm on every week. So yeah. I'll, go, I'll go. My favorite, my favorite memories were the first show when I was on, and then uh, my first show as a co-host. One of my favorite moments, I would say, uh, off the show was Atlanta. Yep. Uh, going to Atlanta, we we linked up. All three linked up out there as well. Had a great ass time. A lot of fans pulled up. We just the love we got in Atlanta was crazy. Um, Those are big bottles in Atlanta. Yeah, everywhere we pulled up, we just seen like it was just a crowd of. Stadium and Gale Gator fans that yep. want to support and hang out with us. So that was just like, it's different when people can scream your stuff from the living room, but when they pull up out of town to come hang out and support with you, that just really know, uh, made me know that, that we got something special and something dope. So so shout out to that moment, Atlanta. 
Yeah, Atlanta was awesome. And shout out to everybody, people that are on Patreon, people that have bought our merchandise, people that listen every week, people that have subscribed, people that have rated you know us five stars, people that have liked uh, our, our podcast, people that have bought from our sponsors, anybody that keeps this show going, you know, we really appreciate you. And it's been an awesome two years, and we're looking forward to many, many years. Oh, we're taking it up a notch, man. Every year we plan on doing it bigger and better. Me and Dan are always talking about upgrading the product, man. So... Um, Harrison gonna be a great addition to the team. We got some on-campus stuff we're gonna do, but shout out to all the support thus far. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's get our first guest on, Denny Thompson, uh, who is the quarterback coach to Anthony Richardson and a bunch of other folks. But before we do that, let's give a, fr- a shout out to our friends uh, over at Lee Friedland uh, of the law firm of Friedland and Associates. Uh, he's going to help you with auto accidents, medical malpractice, nursing home cases, criminal matters, and personal injury co- cases in every jurisdiction within the state of Florida. Give him a call at 1-800-95-INJURED or yourfighthourbattle.com. Again, 1-800-95-INJURED or yourfighthourbattle.com. Let's bring Denny Thompson on to the show. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is one of the most renowned quarterback coaches uh, in the state of Florida and all across the country. It's Denny Thompson. Denny, how are you doing this evening? Doing fantastic, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So, Denny, you've been in the coaching game, uh, I read, since 2002. You've obviously coached a number of positions. You've coached a ton of players. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you ultimately got to, you know, being in the position you're at now. Yeah, man. Um, coached for a while in the high school game. Um, that came to a sudden halt when I got the largest fine in high school history for recruiting violations at a small private school. Uh, um, laugh about it now, but it sucked at the time. Um, and so started getting into, I'd, I'd coach quarterbacks. I was an offensive coordinator, um, had a couple of parents hit me up and said, Hey, do you mind training our kid? Um, and so it kind of started by accident, started doing that in 2011, 2012, somewhere right around there. Uh, one thing led to another, had some really good quarterbacks. Um, early on that made me look really good. Um, and so fast forward now and, and we've had, you know, a lot of success, got to do a lot of really dope stuff with some uh, with some awesome guys. And, and um, now we've, you know, got a whole business out of it. That's awesome. And so how do you make that transition from, you know, being a coach and then starting, uh, you know, into a, a, co- a private coaching career? And then ultimately, how do you turn that into a career rather than just a, you know, a hobby or something you do on the side? You know, I don't I it's funny, I get that question a lot and it's the the truth is I don't know that anybody really knows how it happens other than you have to do a lot of work for free early on, right? And I don't think for me it was ever I didn't find it realistic to think that I was ever gonna do this to the level that we've been blessed to do it. It just it just kinda happened. And and like I said earlier, you get some guys that you kind of attach your name to. It's right or wrong. You know, it kind of just happens. And the reality is those guys are really good. And and I'm not sure how much early on we did for them. Looking back, they probably did more for us. Um, but, you know, now it's it's a it's an awesome life. And and um, 
you just work and you just work with the guys and, and you listen to them and you talk to them and you, you try not to be a know-it-all, but you try to, you know, learn from each guy that comes in. And that's been, that's been my experience. Now there's, there's probably people a little more talented than I am that, that can do it a little better than I do. But for me, um, I think it's actually really almost arrogant to think that one person can develop a quarterback. And so you need the help of their team. You need the help of other coaches. You need the help of trainers. You need all that kind of stuff. And I've been blessed with to have some not only some good guys, but you know, really good team around me as well. Corey, you're on mute, bud. Yeah, sorry about that. I've been having an issue today. Um, what is your relationship with Dan Mullen, the staff here, or other coaches uh, around the country when when doing this uh, quarterback tutoring and coaching? Um, what's that dynamic? Yeah, um, I had a really good relationship with Brian Johnson. Brian was my dude, man. I love Brian to death. Uh, so I hated to see him go, um, but, you know, bigger things for bigger guys. And Coach Mullen's been great to me. Um, anything that I've, you know, any questions I've ever had, he's been awesome, obviously. You know, he's top-notch at what he does. I haven't – I've met Coach uh, Garrett McGee a couple of times. Don't really have the relationship with him as of yet that I had with uh, Coach Johnson. But, but good relationships, you know, across the country and some that, you know, maybe aren't so great. Um, but you know, college coaches are a special breed now. I, I could never, ever be a college coach. I can't chase little kids around and recruit them. That's not happening. Um, but you know, that's, that's a big part of their job, but at the university of Florida, I've, I've had great relationships and, and it's been, um, I don't have a negative thing to say. Coach Hevesy is amazing. Uh, I got to know coach Hevesy cause I, I trained his son, Jack, who's now at Arkansas state. And, uh, he's, he's, a, he's an awesome dude, man. And so it's a, it's a staff full of good dudes down there. How do um how do you start? You talk about like obviously their relationships. How do you start um, as a quarterback coach? You said you kind of like fell into it after you know the yeah. high school coaching. Um, how do you start just building your brand and building those relationships? Because when you think about you know quarterback coaches, everyone's got their coach that they go to. Whether you know Emory goes back to Atlanta and goes back to Quincy, and um, I remember when Will Greer was at Florida, he would go back and he had his own guy and back at home in North Carolina. How do you start building those relationships? Um, with guys before they get to high school or college? You know, I think it's it's easier now than what it was a few years ago, obviously, not just for me because the brand's kind of been built, but Quincy and I are good friends, and, and, and Q and I kind of came through this thing together. And, you know, honestly, I really just think it's a matter of educating yourself, knowing what you're talking about, being humble enough that – you know, you're not always right. And there's more than one way to do it and learning those different ways and learning what knows for what, what goes for different guys. I don't think that a trainer should supersede a coach in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. There's some trainers that disagree with that. Um, I want to work with the coaches. And then the other thing is, I don't think that if you, if you are a quarterback developer, which I, I consider myself, not necessarily a trainer, I don't think all your guys should look the same. I think everybody's mm -hmm. got different arm pass. Everybody's got different, um, talents, everybody's got got different um, holdups to their game. You need to learn to work within their boundaries. And so I think once guys get comfortable to answer your question directly, once guys get comfortable with you and once you find that you are a good fit for that person, because that's not always the case, then you have not only a loyalty from their side, but a loyalty from your side as well. Um, and, and you know, hey, I'm looking out for that guy. I used to be, or I still am, I'm a Gator fan. But the reality is, you know, I've got guys that, you know, Kentucky and I've got guys at Georgia and I've got, and I pull for them. You know I mean? You, you, you develop that relationship 
that you just want to see them do well and you want to do right by them. Once guys see that, um, it, that relationship just continues to evolve even after they go, you know, to the college level, NFL level, whatever it is. When did you figure that out that, uh, I might be comfortable teaching this, but Hey, that's not what is best for this. When did or best for this athlete? When did you kind of come to grips with that, that, Hey, I need to treat everyone different because what I teach quarterback a might not work for quarterback B. I think it's like anything else It's when you lose the freaking insecurities, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's when you, you, when you realize that <laughs> you're not the first person to do this, you're not going to be the last person to do this. If what we say is really true, that it's really about the development of these young men, um, then you have to ask yourself, am I the best option for these guys? And I think when you come to the realization of, Hey, I'm doing this for a living. I've got a dream gig for a living. We're doing really well. We're paying bills. It, it, it gets that way because you care about guys and it gets that way because those guys perform, right? It's like, you can't, you can't teach a hundred guys one way and none of them have any success and on any level. Think that you're successful just because you're making money off of them. Your success is directly correlated with their success. Um, and if what you're teaching is not going to equal success for them, you need to move on, not just for you, but the bigger thing is for them. And, and so I learned that pretty early on, man. I, I learned that there's, a way that I teach. Um, I'm a pretty intense guy. I'm a pretty aggressive guy, but I'm also a very analytical guy. And so if that person doesn't fit my mold, then why would we, either one of us waste time, money, effort, resources, anything on each other? Mm -hmm. Denny, I want to touch you a little bit about Anthony Richardson, who you're working with. Uh, when you took on Anthony Richardson, where was he at with his development and what have you seen over the years that you've worked with him? Man, I love Ant. Ant's one of my favorite guys. Um, I started working with Anthony his right after his junior year of high school. His high school coach had been hitting me up for a while, telling me, uh, said, had been telling me about this guy. And um, we finally linked up. It was right after his junior season. And um, it was interesting because the first time I saw him, he had just hit a growth spurt. And so there was a little bit of awkwardness and he was just – kind of coming into his body and it's, it was like, okay, there's something here. There's this freak as far as talent goes here. What do we do to get this out of him? And, and what you don't know until you really get to know Anthony is how smart this dude is like next level, insanely intelligent, very coachable. Um, one of those type of guys. And so he and I kind of hit it off right away. Um, worked a lot before his senior year. Uh, leading up to Elite 11, all that kind of stuff. And it was cool just to see him develop as a passer and things that it would take me a month and a half or, you know, six to eight sessions to do with some guys he was picking up in two. And he's just that smart of a guy and it was instinctual to him. I'll say this about Anthony. He, from a baseline talent perspective, he may be the best I've ever worked with. Now, what that looks like developmental wise is still to be seen. But as far as the talent is concerned, there there is no ceiling for what Anthony Richardson can become. Silk, you're on mute again. No, I wasn't talking, but I got a great question. Um, <laughs> do you think, just say, let's play make-believe. So if Emory right. just wasn't on the team right now, or like, I don't want to say anything crazy, but just say Emory wasn't a, a, a possibility, do you think uh, Anthony Richardson is uh, ready to play right now and, and, and lead a team? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think 
you know, he had some struggles last year getting not being the biggest guy on the field and just being able to tuck it and run cats over. Um, but I think him realizing that and him being, you know, self-aware to, I got to get better in these certain things. It's been a really good off season for him. Um, so I, you know, without, I, I mean, I'm not going to pull him back his leg. I don't, I, I, until you see it, I, you don't know. But I think if, as a Gator fan, if going in, if I said, if somebody said, hey, Ant's going to have to start from jump, I'd be comfortable. I'd be excited. I'd be a little nervous. Like, I want to see him get those first couple of mistakes out of the way. But, like I said before, you're going to see some exciting stuff uh, once he gets going, man. It, he's he's legit. How do, how do you I, – I think dealing with failure is probably important in all positions, but maybe even more so at quarterback – how do you how can you work on that? Because you know, you're gonna have maybe you know some bad throws in training, um, you know, in your practice, but you're not gonna really deal with, hey, you are were the starting quarterback when you lost to Tennessee. And how do you bounce back and how do you deal with that? Yeah. So how do you kind of train that, I guess, that mental aspect of just dealing with failure? So that's that part I was saying. Like it's it's arrogant to say that you can develop somebody because you gotta have that part. You gotta mm-hmm. have that fall flat on your face in front of eighty thousand people part. Um, you got to have the, you know, people doubting your skill set and, 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 you know, just playing against guys that are bigger, faster, stronger than you and figuring out and figuring it out. Um, but there are things that we do, you know, in the facility and, and in general that kind of teach that, OK, when it happens, here's how we react to that. And, you know, some people kind of some people will call it, you know, leadership training, stuff like that. It's really just real life crap. Right. Like it's just you're going to have to learn it somewhere. Um, unfortunately right. for these guys who are 19 years old, they're learning in front of 90,000 people. So on CBS at three thirty, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, can we, but the kids, the kid, yeah, I mean, these kids get like, like between you guys, the 707, the all-star camps, they get a lot more exposure to kind of warm them up to, to that. Um, so on the mental side, what do you do? Like as far as prep like that, like in game wise, what, what you do is just give these guys partners or just, motivational tips to get them through games? No, one of the things, you know, that's a great question. One of the things that um, that we do is just surround them with people who've been through it, is is making sure that when they're in town, we're having, you know, guys who have already been through that just with them because, look, I'm, I'm 45 and was never able to do it at that level. So are they really going to listen to me? They trust me and all that kind of stuff. But, it, you know, they're not going to listen to me the way they listen to, you know, Gardner Minshew, the way they listen to – Um, Mac Jones or somebody like that, you know, so we just try to link them up with guys like that. In Ant's case, he's really close with Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech. And I'm not sure there's anybody in the country more capable of telling somebody about highs and lows because, man, that dude, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows last year at Georgia Tech. And so I know they've had a ton of discussions. Um, Joey Gatewood and Ant have, have trained together a lot. And I've had a lot of discussions about the expectations and, you know, how to how to handle some of that failure that's going to come your way. But I, it's a great question. It's hard for me to do because I, I'm, I'm not there and I'm, you know, 28 years older than what they are. I got a not great question. This is probably just me being the sports writer. I look at Anthony and I've called him like baby Cam Newton. I'm not trying to like put him in a box, but just yeah. like size and skill set wise i've seen the kind of arm talent he has obviously in high school watch him just running dudes over um you probably don't like to compare but what do you think is his ceiling what's his potential um he might not be baby cam newton because he's big he's big already 
Yeah, that's the thing. And and I think, you know, I've said this about some other guys about Cam Newton. I think the resources available to these guys um, all the way, you know, even at the, the, the college level, this is different than what Cam had, you know, even whenever that was, he was in there. So these guys, they develop as passers quicker. Mm. Um, and I think that's, and I think the one thing that people are uncertain about is his ability to throw the football or to be a passer, but it's there. It's there. That's almost, that's almost every black quarterback ever in history of quarterbacks, Denny. Yeah, no, I mean, you're not wrong. You're, you're right. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't understand it with specifically with guys like Anthony, because how much does he need to show you? Like the guy, the guy, you know, anytime you put him, anytime he's been questioned about his ability to throw, whether it's, you know, elite 11 against some of the best of the best, or, you know, even at Florida practices, he's, he's answered every call. So I don't, I think, I think guys get a bad rap on their, I think that Cam Newton connotation in some ways to your point, man, is like, it means you're a running quarterback Ants, a quarterback that can run. He's insanely intelligent. He's going to pick up the offense. He's going to go through his progression. He's going to go through his reads. Here's the important thing to know about Ant, though. Like, his progression, because he's so talented running, may be one read, two reads, take off. It may not be contrast one, two, three, four, five. Right. It may be one, two, go get you 10, 15 yards, because yeah, that may be the okay. best way to win football games. I like, think, I like that take. You think we get to a point? Because I think even if you're saying, you know, like, okay, well, if you're not getting – to your third read, well, then you're not a quarterback. Well, it's like, well, hey, my third read might be worse it's than my me legs. just taking off and using my legs. I, I think I think it's a, I think it's a very stupid way to look at the game. If the uh-huh. point of the game is to move the chains and and right. to get the advance the ball down the field, and you've got a quarterback who can go one, two, and get you 12 yards, well, your third read's probably not going to get you 12. It's either going to be a home run ball, a pick, or an incompletion. Right. So you know, third, fourth progression with Anthony. Are you really maximizing what he can do for your program if you're asking him to go that deep? He could, but if I was his, if I was his offense coordinator, I probably wouldn't ask him to. Real quick, Denny, um, you say you did this for free a long time. I know how that go when you, when you do things for free. Most of the time you're just passionate about it. Why are you so passionate about making uh, quarterbacks better? Man, that's man, you're crushing it with the questions here. Um, I'm trying to be a, a professional podcaster. That's all, Denny. Man. Come on. Um, I, I don't need all that in my life now. Um, I think for me right now, there's, I'm going to be honest with you guys. A big part of my passion is people telling me I couldn't do it early on. Like I completely, I was in the finance world, 2008, like put me on my ass. Um, you know, broke, homeless, the whole nine when I started this thing. And so I heard from a ton of people, man, go get a real job. And so now to this day, it's like I wake up, I've got this, you know, great business. And it's kind of like, a, all right, screw y'all to all of y'all that told me to go get a real job because it wasn't a real job even 10 years ago. So there, I would be lying if I said it's just, you know, hey, I want to help the kids' passion. It's not. There's, there's greed in there too, right? Like right. I want to prove people wrong. But I will say this. When you get that first guy at each level, for me, like the first guy that had a ton of high school success was addicting. And then it was the next guy who, you know, started their first college game, regardless of the level or got their first scholarship. You know, the first guy we had signed, that was the next level. Now what drives you is championships and and draft picks and, you know, the whole draft day process. And, you know, I hope I hope that I'm 
a couple years away from being driven by Super Bowls and Pro Bowls and eventually Hall of Fame things. That stuff's addicting, man. You know, that we've all got that competition in us. Anybody that covers or played sports has that competition. And, you know, I want to be the best at what I do. But more importantly, like, I want to be able to flex by going, hey, look at that dude's success that, that he's had as well. Denny, what's, what's next for you then? Um, I know you're talking about championships and everything else. Um, do you continue to grow your brand? Do you continue to, you know, add more coaches underneath? You? I mean, where, how does this, this grow bigger? Or is it just a, just a continued passion project? You know, for me, it's not about growing bigger. It's really not. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was telling somebody today, I kind of miss the days of having, you know, 20 quarterbacks and, and just me. We have five coaches on staff now. We have a whole facility overhead payroll. Like the first and 15th isn't fun anymore. Right. So it's it's um for me where my passion is now is in two areas is one, like how many how, how can we push the envelope on resources? Um, we've been blessed that this has turned into a business that we can we can spend money on these guys, getting them the resources they need, whether it's cognitive testing, whether it's nutritionist. Um, how do we find and push the envelope on that development piece uh, for every level, whether it's, you know, high school college pro prep pro how do we do that the second thing for me right now is and the the rabbit hole i've really gone down this year is that mental piece and i'm not talking about reading defenses it's it's like there's guys that walk into the facility that when they walk in like the whole room raises we all know these cats right like they walk in and everybody raises to a level before they even say or do anything what is that like what it, we always call it the it factor but let's dig deeper. And what is that thing? And I'll give you guys a great example. There's a guy at University of West Florida um, who I think is the best player in Division II football, Austin Reed. He can walk in our facility. It can be, be full of SEC quarterbacks. Everybody knows when Austin's in there. Like, he's just got it. And so we've been doing a ton of studies and a ton of um, interviews into, you know, what what is that? Can it be taught? Can we duplicate it? Um, Emory's got a lot of that. I've gotten I've gotten a chance to know Emory. Emory's got a lot of that. Um, how do we develop that into guys? And for for us, kind of that's that next step for our development process. What what part of that do you see when Emory walks in the room with with more alphas? I think it's like a little alpha energy. When Top Dog walk in the room, he just got Top Dog energy. It don't matter if he threw eight picks last week. What do you see from Emory that gives you that vibe? You just you hit the nail on the head. Exactly that. It's like every time I've ever been around Emory, and and I've been around him maybe I don't know 10, 11 times. So not that much, right? Um, exactly that. He's that guy that you walk in, and it's kind of it kind of puts you in a good mood, and it's just a natural deal. It's like it's like um, I want to play. I want to be around the guy. Like I, I want even if he's not on his A game, he's still kind of that even kill. You know, big eye, big chest. I'm here to do work. You know, bring. it's like this. It's like I can – everybody talks about, you know, bringing people up to your level, man. Forget that. Like, your level may not be high enough for them. So, right. you want to bring them up to the highest level they can go. And it's like Emory has that natural thing, man. He's always had it since the very first day I met him. He's, he's a fun guy. He's like – he's somebody you want to be around. And, and honestly, like, Anthony is kind of that silent assassin. Like, he's the, he's the guy that's going to sit over there, and you just kind of – you can feel his presence, but he doesn't yet have that, oh, let's go about him. Um, and so I think it's awesome. 
that he and Emory are getting to kind of go through this together because I think they're helping each other out. And I know they're, you know, they're, they're pretty close together. So, and then you got the cats below him, like Carlos, who's able to just kind of eat all this up and he needs a little bit of both of them. So I, I right. think it's a great room, man. Hey, well, you're a Gator fan. One, one, one more quick one. I'm sorry, Dan. Uh, you're a Gator fan. Uh, Emory's been getting a lot of talk and a lot of hype this offseason. I know, like, the average Gator fan can't wait to see Anthony Richardson because that's just how he is, you know? Yep. We can't help it. Uh, what, are, what are your expectations for Emory this fall? I think he's going to have a huge year. I, I think, um, you know, the thing about Emory, like, if you're really unbiased about it and you, th- and you think about the plays he's been in, they've taken some shots with him down the field. They, they right. haven't. They haven't let him throw as much as what you'd like to because they didn't. I mean, why are you going to take Kyle out and let Emory throw? But Emory, for he doesn't look that big, but man, has you have you guys ever seen him fall backwards on a run? It's like he's a powerful, twitchy guy. So he falls, you know, he's always falling forward. He's always getting that extra couple yards. I, I think when he settles in and he's comfortable and he's not just in there for a play or two, I, I, I think I think he's got a chance to really light it up. And the the cool thing is. I think there's still a little bit of like a competition element. If if Florida's smart about it, and you know what you got with Anthony as well, you're going to play that as long as you can anyway. Denny, I want to ask you a question. Obviously, you know, we live in a society now of instant gratification. And I mean, it's not just now, but I mean, I think it's more prevalent now than it's been of instant gratification and playing quickly. And if you're not playing quickly, you're, you're transferring out. How do you mentally talk to these guys about potentially waiting? You know, Emory Jones has waited for – three years. Anthony Richardson is going to probably, you know, wait, you know, another year or two before he's the star. How do you mentally talk to them and, and keep them focused and, you know, continue to strive every day without getting beat up? Yeah. You know, I, I won't name names, but I had one kid and it's not at Florida. I had one guy that Georgia kind of no. wanted to leave. No, and actually not him. I knew y'all were going to say that. No, yeah, Tennessee, which one, which one? Tennessee, Georgia. Yeah. No, I had one that I, you know, for the first time, really that I talked out of it this year. And for me, it's more situational, right? It's like, is that still the best spot for you two, three, four years down the road? Kids don't want to hear the hard truth, which is that transfer portal ain't, it's not pretty, man. Like it, there's a reason probably in a lot of cases, there's a reason you're not on the field. If you think you're going to enter the portal and you're going to get in a better situation as far as quality of program, you're probably wrong you may get in a better situation for you, which is fine. Joey Gatewood, perfect example. Needed to get the hell out of Auburn because we all knew the situation, right? Still don't know that he's, you know, ready for that SEC level. I think he is. We're going to find out this year. But that's the situation of a kid where the transfer portal needed to happen. I would say they're split. And I I think it's purely situational on – um, is there a better fit for you? And does that fit mean that you need to move down a little bit? But in a situation where it's, it's very, uh, very talented guys just waiting their turn, man, wait it out. Wait it out, especially with this COVID year. You can get, get your master's degree on scholarship. You can get six years, basically. Um, let's, let's see, let's see what will happen. And if you graduate and you still haven't gotten in and you still got two years, then be a graduate transfer somewhere. I think it's just the the world we live in now. It's instant gratification, but you hit that portal and it's the same flaws you have, whether it's personality or development or in your game, the portal's not washing that and making you a better player. You're still the same player when you get to, you know, that new situation. Wherever well, you I, are, I, there you are. 
Yeah. I, I do think this, though, guys, like, you, and one thing we got to wrap our head around, like, these are 18 year old kids making yeah. life decisions. Right. And, and I, I think they get places and they become 20 year olds. And, you know, maybe they're a little bit wiser and they realize, well, damn, I made the wrong decision. Mm. And so I, I think there's a lot of that, you know. And, and by the way, I would say half the people in the portal are there because the coaches told them to go there. Right. They don't want them at the school anymore. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That's yeah, a different element. Yeah, that's why like the, the like a lot of these scholarships ain't guaranteed four years, man. They push you out. No and... scholarship is guaranteed four years. Right. The coach can say whatever he wants, but if they get a new kid, a new running back that they think's better than you, hey, hit the road. Well, it's a brutal reality. I mean, when you get to that level of college football, like those coaches' jobs are to find your replacement, no matter who you are. That's just that's their job. So, you know, it, it's gonna happen year after year. And then the COVID, the stupid NCAA rules of the last year didn't count. I mean, that didn't help the situation at all either. So, yeah, I mean, I, kids get moved out, I, I would say, as much, if not more, than kids just deciding that, you know, the grass may be green. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that that processing. Well, that that decommit that that de-recruiting happens real quick when you get on campus, you know, when you're when you're that senior in high school, you're the you're the best thing that's ever happened to a, to the game of football. And then that first practice comes along and we got to put you back down. And I think that there's a lot of eye-opening moments for kids. Just, you know, uh, you get Nick Saban and you get all these coaches telling you how great you are. And then all of a sudden you're in a practice jersey and you're getting MF'd up and down the practice field. And you're like, what the heck happened? This isn't or, the coach that was calling me. Or or you're promised that you're the guy and you go in there. And next thing you know, they've signed two graduate transfers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's okay for them to lie. Yeah, right. it, 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 you guys, um, you guys are striking a nerve with me here because I, I do think that, you know, yeah, there's instant gratification from all of us. But at the same time, like there's legit reasons why these guys are hitting the portals, not just because they're turds. Right. Well, perfect. Well, Denny, man, we really appreciate your time. We know that you're a, a busy guy. You're a quarterback coach. You got a radio show. You're you're all over the media. Tell everybody where they can follow you, where they can listen to you every week, and and pimp yourself up a little bit. Yeah, pimp man. yourself uh, up. Mm -hmm. That's right. Underscore Thompson is the uh, is the the Twitter follow. Uh, Denny Thompson Jackson on Instagram. Um, we have a radio show called The Sports In Me and a former Seminole James Coleman. Um, on every night on 1010XL here in Jacksonville. You can go to uh, SportsCen underscore live and follow that if you're bored. Um, but, you know, who knows what we talk about. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's just random stuff, man. But we're just having a good time. There's a couple dudes trying to uh, trying to enjoy life, man. They're Big fan of what you guys do, though. Like, real talk, man. Everything you likewise, have done, man. you guys have crushed. So, big fan of you guys. Likewise, man. I see you everywhere working with, you know what I'm saying, the right guys, doing positive things, man. It's dope stuff. Like yeah, it. appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. Absolutely. Right. We're looking forward to having you on again All in the right, future, guys. man. It's, it's been a pleasure. and Enjoy the rest of your evening. Appreciate it, Danny. Anytime, man. Awesome. Thanks. Guys. All right, see you. Denny Thompson, that was a great interview. Uh, I mean, really just a, a great down-to-earth guy, uh, exceptionally knowledgeable, very well-connected. Uh, glad to have him uh, on Stadium and Gale this week. Um, if you could – if like what he said they were trying to find there, um, if you can figure – because we just, like, call it the it factor, you know, like what he was saying, right. and you kind of just, like, take it for granted, like, that's a crazy – 
concept that he's got is like, well, how can we, it's not just some mythical magical thing. How can we bottle that? Figure out what that is. What are the components of that? If you, if you can figure think, that out, I man, think, and you can process that and teach it. Shoot. Yeah, I think, I think Urban Meyer can do that though. I think that's, that's his psychology of what he does. I think a lot of shit that Urban Meyer does is, is take that, that little, whatever that is, that fabric, that energy, um, and he pulls that out of people. I think uh, Amai used to talk about it on this show, the way he uh, he said special stuff in Space Jam, Mike special stuff. Yeah, like yeah, the special <laughs> stuff. I like I like that, Spence. But uh, yeah, I think everybody. I think it's a lot, a lot of his psychology. I think so. I think so too. But I also think a lot of it is finding the right coach for you. And, and just because you're a big name, you know, a guy like Quincy Avery or Denny Thompson, it, it's a, it's about finding that right connection, right? I mean, so you've probably, you know, you felt this way. I know I felt this way. Nick, you felt this way playing. Um, you know, somebody will tell you something, you know, 10 times and you'll listen to it. You know, zero of those times somebody else maybe says it, you know, or shows it a little bit differently or explains it a little bit differently. All of a sudden somebody gets it and you tell somebody you learn that and all of a sudden – that person's like, I've been telling you that all this time. It's like, yeah, but just this one example or this one time showed me that, you know. So, um, Denny's uh, got a great reputation. I want to get him back on the show and learn more a little bit about that recruiting story. Uh, we ran out of time, but uh, want to find out a little bit more about uh, about that. But uh, Denny Thompson is a is a great guy. I mean, Quincy Avery and Denny Thompson, two great coaches to uh, be leading Florida's future quarterback. Dope interview, great conversation. Yeah, Silk, you were on it. You were on your questions. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I wasn't – last week I kind of jumped in. I, I, I listened back. I wasn't on my A game. I was kind of flustered getting in from Suns game, joining while the interview was going. I was just a little off. It was, it was an okay interview, but I could have done better. I left some points on the field, so I, I had to make up for it today. Well, I appreciate points on the field. I appreciate you, uh, you coming with your A game today. So, um, speaking of A games, make sure that your roof – it has an A game entering hurricane season. Give our friends over at Roof Soldier a call at one eight seven seven Roofs FL. Again, eight seven 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 six six three seven three five. If you need a roof replacement or a repair, give him a give them a call. Pardon me, one eight seven seven Roofs FL. Visit them at RoofSoldier.com. Mention Stadium and Gale and get a thousand dollars off any roof replacement. Uh, let's get into recruiting a bit. Uh, the Gators had a big weekend when it came to recruiting uh, this past weekend with a bunch of names. I'll go through them uh, and then maybe we'll give some commentary, some group commentary, and then dive in a little bit deeper. But this weekend, the Gators hosted a number of visitors, including the likes of Kamari Wilson, Miles Pollard, George Petaway, Shamar Stewart, and Francois Nolton, Nolton, pardon me, who was a commit. Uh, it is one of his uh, first visits to campus uh, since uh, since he's been committed for, for quite some time. And then a host of 2023 and 2024 prospects, as well as Drew Shelton, who's a Penn State commit, uh, offensive lineman uh, that's committed, or pardon me, that's playing down at IMG Academy. Uh, the Gators also had visits from Jamarion Miller, who's a three-star running back out of Tyler, Texas. Julian Humphrey, the cornerback commit, Quayshon Sapp, and then the number two uh, defense, or pardon me, number two uh, tight end, uh, Oscar Delp, and then finally five star defensive tackle, Walter Nolan as well. So, boys, any thoughts, any conversations, any rumors from this weekend uh, in the recruiting world? 
Um, I think getting Walton Young on back on campus um, was probably big a big deal. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot. That's a huge deal. Big smoke. Um, he's busy. He still got a top four. Looking at late July, early August for a decision day. There's been a lot of rumors and smoke out there, man. But you just gotta let it all play out. It's gonna be a long three, four, five weeks, however long this takes, man. But I think he'll get back on campus again before he decides. I mean, you, uh, you. I always say, follow the visits, don't follow the tweets. Um, right. And I mean, that's like, you know, right away, um, you know, you get a visit and then say, I'm shutting down my recruitment. You're thinking, oh, that's good. Um, I do. I do put caution in there saying, like, listen, no one's ever had a bad official visit. Um, and, and these kids had, you know, unfortunately, because of COVID, hadn't been able to even visit anywhere um, officially, unofficially, whatever it was. Um, so I thought, well, maybe Florida getting all these guys on early. Um, you're riding high in emotions and, and you get a lot of kids that are like ready to commit on every official visit they take. So I was like, ah, maybe that's just riding high in emotion. But then he goes out, visits some other places and comes right back to Florida. And you think, okay, well maybe they're doing something right. Maybe there is something to this, but that's like a, you've got your quarterback in Evers. And if you get someone like Nolan, like that's where you start. Like the, the, the class just starts building itself. Like, Hey, I want to go play well, guys, with these guys. guys I want to guys want to, yeah, guys want to play with Nolan. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, Nick, Nick Evers is killing on the recruiting trail. I had a funny little tweet about him this weekend. Shout out to that. Um, got some steam going, but Nick Evers is killing on the recruiting trail, but we get a five star night, like Nolan, that guys just want to play with. And he's saying that a lot of guys want to play with him. This thing could take off, man. Um, shout out to the staff, man. They're doing something different. I sent you guys an ad. What's the guy's name? The new recruiting guy on the recruiting staff getting busy on the Twitter streets. But it's definitely some different energy from the recruiting staff than, than, what, than what it was in the previous years. Yeah. So you uh, you gave us the name of, um, of Kelvin Bolden, uh, who joined the staff a few months ago, uh, previously with Southern Miss and a few other uh, schools. Um, but, but Kelvin Bolden is a name that uh, has been popping up. Let me ask you guys a quick aside, and then I do want to come back to recruiting. Uh, Nick uh, and, and Soak, you guys just talked about it. Being a big name, Walter Nolan, big five-star defensive tackle, people want to play with the likes of him. There was a discussion that I actually saw on the Rivals message board this weekend, Nick, which was about Nick Evers, and Nick Evers is was not going to be ranked in the Rivals 250. Uh, he's going to be a four-star uh, quarterback and you know some of the discussion came up with players want to play with other players that are elite that their ranking says they're elite do you think that that matters a ton to these kids do you think being ranked in the 250 uh, means a yeah. lot to other prospects or what are your thoughts regarding that ranking in the I guess perception of being elite uh, I think guys just want to play with guys. I think a little bit of what Denny was saying when he was on, and these kids know who the alphas are, alphas are when they step in the room. So I think Nick Evers, when he was a three-star, he was recruiting like this and had crazy buzz. Even with the receivers, he he knows from Texas and whoever else is trying to play with him. I just think he like when he's in the room, guys know he's that guy. I don't think where he's ranked that really uh, plays a whole lot into him recruiting. No, I think a big thing for – for Evers was just getting on campus um, one for that big junior day they had. And then again, for that first official visit weekend, um, just being from Texas, just getting to meet these guys in person. And, you know, you hear about all the time, like um, the quarterback sets up like a group text message between the guys that are committed and stuff like that. But I think it's just kind of like 
you can get lost not being in, you know, the seven on seven in the state of Florida and, and that kind of stuff. And then you might get into a situation if you got a quarterback from Texas, like, well, I don't know who that is. Is he like a big deal? Is he a big deal in Texas? I think you kind of feel that, you know, feel the guys out once you get to meet him in person. So I thought it was a big deal um, that Evers was on campus, you know, twice in, in a week to kind of meet all the other guys that were either commits or being recruited. Yeah, and so I guess with that being a little bit more direct in that that question, I think that both of those you know lines of thought are, are really good there, especially for Nick Evers, obviously being on campus and being around these kids and, and showing that you know personality to them. But you know, I think part of the, the where I wanted to go with the question is, do you think being ranked in the two hundred and fifty or that perception of where your ranking is nationally might convince you? you know, to go onto a campus with a guy like a Nick Evers to be, you know, recruited by him. Um, do you think that that matters much in the high school ranks with other prospects? Who me? No, I don't, I don't think so because I like, you can be a five star and if you just don't have that leadership quality of recruiting guys and getting them on board, it, don't, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? People don't want to just go play with you because you got five stars. Like, like the guys that Tebow got on board when Brandon Spice said I was going wherever Tebow was going, I think that was just because of Tebow's leadership skills, not because he had five stars, you know. So I just think some of these quarterbacks, some of these recruits just can flat out recruit if they're a three-star or a five-star. I don't think it matters. Yeah, I think I think you could be star chasing um, to an extent, but you could meet a five-star and come away, you know, as a player. But, oh, I think that guy's goofy. Like, I don't – Right. I, I don't right. mess with them. So I think it's more of person to person and how you gel with somebody, what's their presence. Because um, as a quarterback, you're expected to be a leader. And I think Denny hit that, hit, you know, the nail on the head. There's more than one way, more than one way to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, he's saying, well, maybe Ant needs to develop this more, but maybe that's just, you know, it could be Ant's style. And he knows Anthony Richardson more than we do, um, but maybe you're just that kind of silent, you know, to do what I say, watch what I do kind of thing, more so than a rah-rah guy. Um, but I think, yeah, more so than what your highest ranking is, it's more so based on how are you with these people in person, face-to-face. That's a combination of two. You can't be a one-star and then, like, got Tebow energy. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right, bro, you sound sounds no. fun, though, but you got one star, my man. Bro. No, I know that Dan was giving, uh, giving locker room speeches before uh, hockey games, and I think That's he was right. one and a half star. So it, 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 you can definitely do it. I think the, I think the team was listening to him. So Yeah, it was like, give you grab a water, pal. <laughs> you guys are wild. <laughs> you guys are wild. Uh, I don't want to keep going on this. I don't want to, to get dragged. Um, <laughs> outside of that, uh, it seems like, obviously, as you can imagine, the Alabama game seems to be the one uh, official visit. I know Francois Nolton. I know a number of other players have said that they're going to be back for either unofficial or official visits that weekend. Um, your preference, your top-end recruit, uh, you get one official visit, guys. Do you take it at the biggest game of the year where maybe your share that spotlight with a bunch of other folks, or do you take it uh, maybe at a smaller game where you're the uh, the big fish in the uh, the smaller pond? It's tough for me. I would take it if I'm really trying to make um, a sound, solid decision. Um, you know, because like Danny, like Danny was just saying, like a lot of it's not. You know, you're, you're 18 trying to make the best decision for you. By the time you're 20, 21, maybe you realize it wasn't. I'm not going to a game as my official visit. You're not getting the chance to talk to the the coaches or be with the coaches as much as possible. Sure, you're going to see a a dope environment, um, but you're not getting that one-on-one time. You're not going to see the coach break down film with you 
stuff like that. I'm taking my official visit now um, or, or after the season if, if my decision date is later. Um, and if, if we have the means to do it, I'll go to that Alabama game and, and you know, figure that out. Um, but I think from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, you're not going to get the most out of your visit if you're going and using that official visit for a game. You're going to see the game, the atmosphere, but you're not going to be able to interact with the players that much or the coaches as much as you, you probably should if you're making a, a really informed decision. Yeah, I think a lot of what Nick said uh, matters, like your, your timeline, when, when you plan on enrolling, uh, signing, all that matters. So if I'm if I'm an early enrollee guy, I probably want to take my official round this time, probably make a decision before fall just to be comfortable. Um, if I'm a late February guy, um, I try to take my official visits, you know, after the season. Still wouldn't want to do it during the season, during the game. I'm with, I'm with Nick on that. I would want to do it before, after the season, just to get the full breakdown of all my resources and everything the school offers. Um, but right now, yeah, it's, it's peak season. I think most of the kids, early signing day is the big signing day now. So most of the official business going down now makes a lot of sense. Kids want to get on campus early, decide early and all that. Yeah, this is this is the time. So I'm not mad for staff taking official business right now. I think all these kids that it's not that they, like they're official visiting here and then going to Bama in February. You know what I'm saying? I think they're taking them all now. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so we're going to be looking out for obviously a, a lot more recruiting news over the next couple of weeks. It's, it's hard to believe the recruiting calendar where kids have been coming on campus has only been up for uh, for 13 days. Uh, but, you know, Florida has hosted dozens and dozens of, uh, of potential prospects and potential players uh, that so far the every review whether like you believe what Nick says or not, every official visit, every unofficial visit is going to go uh, pretty well. Uh, Florida is still looking to add to their class and looking to gain some more recruitments. But so far, it seems like Jules Montaner uh, and Wesley McGriff, the crime dog, so far they're recruiting. Uh, reviews have come back favorably. And then even the mm -hmm. uh, assistant players of personnel, Kelvin Bolden, those those kind of folks, uh, there seems to be a lot of talk about those guys. Uh, as bro, well. when, when I shot the heavy seat, but when you finally get really heavy seat, bro, I can't wait for that upgrade because <laughs> everybody that leave, we get an upgrade. So, boy, when we upgrade that low offensive line, we're going to be cooking. <laughs> oh, man. All right, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez, I like your rebuttal, Dan. Just, yeah, that's oh, right. Man. Yeah. I'm just trying to just trying to keep that in with the coaching staff. Just trying yeah, to get I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, man. I'm just John Hevesy next week. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that's left we upgrade. That's all I'm hey, saying. Hey, if we could get Rod English on the show after some of the slander we had about him, nothing is impossible, man. But he came on with some heat. Like, he wanted he wanted to smoke. Oh, he was he was ready to battle. He was ready to fight. Uh, he took some questions that were very impersonal, very personally. So um, shout out to Ron English. Uh, let's give a <laughs> let's give a shout out to our friends. You probably heard about me calling him Larry English for like a year and a half. So. <laughs> let's give a shout out to our friend Carlton Black with Cardinal Financial, who's licensed in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. So he's going to help with many different types of home loans, including conventional loans, FHA loans, VA loans, fixed rate loans, adjustable rate mortgages, and more. If you're looking for help for construction with a one-time close or even down payment assistance, give him a call. I'll help you refinance as well. Uh, also, if you're a real estate agent and looking to partner with a mortgage broker, give Carlton a call at Carlton or pardon me, at cardinalfinancial.com, 404-769-5501, or carlton.black at cardinalfinancial.com. Again, Carlton Black, Cardinal Financial, 
zero one. Nick, let's the talk only thing, real, real quick, the, only, the only thing that Jules has done wrong since being hired was put on Gravon's jersey. Outside of that, I just want to give you know some Mr. Southpaw say some flowers. He's been doing okay. Been, yeah, he's been, been he's been doing great. The mustache is uh, still a surprise every time I see it. Um, yeah, he looks like a cop, but I'll I'll allow it. You'll allow it. The feds. He's the feds. <laughs> he is definitely he's like he looks like the federales, Dan. Uh, Dan but <laughs> the federales. He what sure are you gonna do? He's what landing guys. What, what are you gonna do? He's recruiting well, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't become slander until the who, recruiting turns south, right? Who knew a Haitian recruiter would work in Florida? Mm, I knew. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. What we got next? All yeah. right, let's let's talk a little bit about baseball. Then we got a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Uh, Nick, we already talked about you uh, getting called out on ESPN. So shout out to you. Unfortunately, they didn't mention your name, so you didn't get any. Did they mention us? Nope, just Nick. Good, um, because and- it wasn't a good one. <laughs> no, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a certain Gator podcast. It was just a certain Gator beat writer. Yeah, I appreciate that's right, that, bro. I, I would appreciate it if they put some respect on our name. Um, Kevin O'Sullivan has announced that he's going to return. Nick, give us the details uh, surrounding that. And was there ever any chance that that's he was going to leave? Yeah, I think I think if you listen to the podcast um, or if you read, you know, if you're on, you know, our message board, I, I don't think that was a surprise to you. There were just so many. Um, Things like listen, Kevin O'Sullivan has has proven to be one of the best college baseball coaches in the country. Um, so when a school like Texas uh, comes open, when a school like um, LSU comes open, and and honestly, South Carolina, they've won a couple national championships. They have a, a really feverish fan base when it comes to to baseball. Um, there were some rumors that he that Sully was going to take the South Carolina job. Um, those rumors are always going to pop up, and and I just didn't think. With Kevin, o, Kevin O'Sullivan's family situation, um, with joint custody, also with the um, commitment Florida's made from a contractual standpoint to him and from a facility standpoint to him, I just didn't think it made sense right now. Um, LSU's got a guy. He's like the Bear Bryant, Nick Saban of LSU baseball and Skip Bertram. Um, he won, I think, five. I'm getting at the timeline wrong. He won five national championships in like a 10-year span. Um I think the way college baseball is now, you're never going to get someone to win, you know, that many national championships in that kind of short time span again, but you're never going to have another skip Bertram at LSU. And as good as Paul Maneri was, he's not skip Um, and skip's still around. (laughs) So not only are you trying to replace a guy who's unreplaceable, but he's also like sitting in the box watching you manage. Um, And Sully has a chance to be that kind of figure at Florida. So it just didn't make sense to me. All the smoke was coming out of Baton Rouge. Um, so I, I just never thought it was, you know, and, and the, the people I would talk to in Baton Rouge said the, the interest was mutual. Um, well, I don't think they so. Backed off. They said they backed off because of some baggage. That's what the, tweet, yeah. Twitter, yeah, the, 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 the Twitter streets reported from some podcasts that had 400 followers, I believe oh, okay. um, that the board of regents or the board of directors at LSU uh, turned Kevin O'Sullivan down because of baggage. I thought to myself, and Orgeron sleeping with co-eds, Will Wade, right, right. players on wire and everything else. Like, I thought that that would be enough to – This is uh, the hill they're going to die on. Yeah, huh? that, this this is, that, that Kevin O'Sullivan was the hill that they're going to die on. Uh, any yeah. rumors to that, Nick? It's time to get some honor. Mm. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's rumors. There's rumors that are out there. Um, 
No, I'm not or, asking you to address those rumors. I'm asking you to address. Yeah, well, don't, don't throw the board of directors to TMZ, bro. Don't throw. Um, I don't. Yeah, yeah. We're not. Uh, I'm not trying <laughs> to be TMZ here. Um, I don't think, from my sources, uh, I don't think it ever got that far. Um, and it's interesting because, like, if we go back, like LSU, I think the the old AD Joe Oliva would probably leak stuff to people and get his message out there. Um, you know, I, I specifically remember like the hurricane Matthew and that was like war of the war of the beats where it was like LSU right. would put this out and Florida would like off the record, tell us stuff. And we're like, well, off the record, I'm not going to go to bat for you. If you want to put like your name to it, we can put, you know, a story out there with quotes about stuff. Um, I just never thought, I, I never thought it even got that far. Maybe Kevin O'Sullivan would be interested in hearing what LSU had to say. Um, but I just think when you consider the total package of what was going on, um, that it, it would be, it wouldn't be a move that he would make. And um, I, I just don't think he maybe listened, but I don't think there was real interest to the point where, hey, we've got a contract set that's agreed upon by both parties. We just have to take it to the board of governors. Um, and then the board of governors were like, you know what? No, I don't think so. I don't think it got that far, despite what uh, the reports are out of LSU. Okay. Well, sp- well, it's Speaking not even that issue. It was just like a podcast with 400 followers, according to Dan. So, yeah, that One Nation, One Pod, they got, man, I got tagged in that a ton because they came out before Florida season was even done. And I think the, t- the tweet was like, just got the call or just got the text I've been waiting on. It's Sully. And I'm like, who are you? Like, I don't know. I, I got tagged like 40 times in this tweet. I'm like, I don't know who these people are or what they're talking about, but like, it's not. I love sources, man. Um, well, we'll welcome back Kevin O'Sullivan on to uh, back to uh, to Gator Net. Well, not back to. I mean, he never left, but you know, continued best of luck to him. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different baseball team though next season. Uh, Nick, uh, last week, Corey Acton, Jordan Butler, and Brock Edge. Uh, all it was reported, pardon me, that they would be heading elsewhere. Uh, and then the list got a little bit longer over the last couple of days, adding Hunter Meek. Chase Centella, Mark Roberts, and Ben Specht, uh, who are all also going to be seeking potential greener pastures elsewhere. So that's seven uh, potential transfers from this program. Nick, can you break those down for us a little bit more? And then is there anybody that Florida is looking at uh, in the transfer portal to uh, to come to Gainesville? Yeah, so if you look at it, um, Hunter Meek pitched a little bit, um, not too much. Um, Andrew Roberts, Mark Roberts um, – he, this is the second year, didn't record an inning. He's been the transporter for a while. Uh, Chase Centella, I think his came out right after they had their exit meetings. Um, and then a guy like Brock Edge is a grad transfer. He went to, uh, I mean, his dad was a, uh, a punter at Florida, so he had ties to come to Gainesville. Um, he went mm-hmm. to community college at Santa Fe before he got to Florida and then really was just a defensive replacement late in innings. Um, He's, he graduated, so he'll be a grad transfer next year. I think he's probably looking for an opportunity to get some actual, some real playing time. Um, Corey Acton's a guy who's been on campus for a long time and kind of was just playing behind a freshman in um, in Colby Halter. So for for Corey Acton to leave, I think the writing was on the wall there. Um, he got a, a pinch hit opportunity against Kentucky, got a hit, and then kind of started the rest of the year. But then when I saw him – get pinch hit for late in the regional against USF and then not play Saturday. Um, that's when I thought, yeah, he's, he's not going to come back. Didn't play for most of the year. And then 
They started the freshman again, you know, in the elimination games. I, I saw that, the writing on the ball there. And I think Jordan Butler is a guy who got a lot of playing time early. Um, I don't think a lot of people know. I think it was the Missouri week. He slid into second, caught a knee in the head, and, and got a concussion. He had been in a little bit of a slump before that, but then the concussion protocol kept him out for about 10 days. Um, and that's when Kendrick Callow just started hitting hitting the cover off the ball. So he got Wally pipped a little bit. So I think the writing on the wall with those older guys was there. So not totally surprising. Um, and, and then I think we're just in a, a day and age now where this is going to be normal, um, you know, with one-time transfers and, and the SEC allowing guys to transfer inside the conference. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of this, a lot of this stuff happen. You'll see even more of it after, um, you know, the, the signing period. And um, uh, Hector Rodriguez is working on a story for us. Florida's going to get uh, a commitment from a catcher from Coastal Carolina. Uh, I'm blanking on the guy's name right now, but he's interviewing him. So for, it's not just a, an exodus. I think Florida's going to be looking probably for some uh, some older pitchers in the bullpen. Um, the catcher, I think right now you really only have two. Um, with Mac Gassetti and Wyatt Langford, and Langford didn't play much this year. Um, so I think Florida will try to get older in the transfer portal because if you look at the roster coming back, they're going to be a really young team in 2022. Nick, which of those transfers, again, Corey Axon, Jordan Butler, Brock, and Hunter Meek, Bren, Ben Specht, Chase Intel, and Andrew Mark Roberts, uh, is the biggest loss um, – uh, it's got to be it's got to be Specht because Specht was um, a preseason All SEC player, um, but then I think he I'd slotted him in as the closer because that's kind of where he had been, and then they really wanted to get Franco Alam on there. Uh, Specht and Sully had a little falling out after the South Carolina series, uh, and uh, just didn't see him pitch. So like he's a guy that I would say, oh, that's a loss because uh, of his potential and what he had done already but one that wasn't surprising based on his usage this year. And, and with how talented he is, he's a guy that should be getting 30 to 50 innings a year, and, and I think he got less than 20 this year. I uh, want to discuss an article from Fox Sports uh, by a writer named R.J. Young. Uh, he listed Newton as the best college football player of all time. Uh, Tim Tebow was ranked number 10 overall. Your thoughts, boys? Let so go. <laughs> Give me a second off. What happened? I'm sorry. Steve, listening? Yeah, yeah, I am a little bit. But... No. <laughs> I am a little bit. <laughs> um, I'll go. I Fox think sports. Go ahead. I'll go. I think um, like anytime you're doing one of these top ten lists, you're gonna you're gonna piss somebody off. Um, I. I I'd have a hard time. I mean, you can talk about how great Reggie Bush was or maybe how great Vince Young was, obviously Tim Tebow. Um, but, yeah, I think I think you'd be hard-pressed to, like, make a, a big case against Cam being number one. And I think probably the only people that weren't surprised about Cam Newton's one season at Auburn were probably Gator fans who, who knew what, you know, right. Newton could be. And if you look back now – I think Gator fans are saying, well, what if Cam had never transferred? Like, what would that dynasty be? Where would Florida be right now? Um, so I'd be hard-pressed oh, to put – I'd be hard-pressed to put Tebow above Cam. And then, I mean, you can make arguments, but I don't know if I would, you know, be persuaded to put somebody above Cam. What, what, what was the list? 
Uh, Cam season. Newton, number one. No, what was um, the list the compiled, best though? Best football player of all time. Best football yeah, player no, of all time? Best football player of all time. Yeah, Cam Newton, number one. Reggie Bush, number two. Vince Young, number three. Tommy Frazier, number four. Herschel Walker, number five. Jerry Rice, number six. Dan Morgan, number seven. Coral Springs legend, Dan Morgan. Uh, number eight, Baker Mayfield. Number what? nine, Steve McNair. And 10, Tim Tebow. Yeah, they tried Tim Tebow um, on this list. I know I'm a homer as hell, but they tried my guy for sure. Baker Mayfield. Let's be respectful here. Yeah, I um, I I like Cam Newton a lot. I think that Cam Newton was an incredible player. I thought that he probably uh, changed the game, um, you know, in college football more than a lot of players have. Um, I think that Tim Tebow just by the sake of the fact that he played longer and had longer longevity, you know, started three years. Obviously, right. Cam Newton had the, the one stellar year. But I think the staying power of that to be the first person to win a Heisman Trophy as a sophomore, to lead your team to a national title as a freshman and a junior, uh, have an undefeated you know, regular season your yeah, senior they can, year, like, and consistently like, be able to do that uh, is why I would put Tim Tebow higher than Cam Newton. Correct. I, I'm, I'm with you on that, man. The accolades is just crazy. I got I got Tim, I got Timothy as the goat of college football. Just from accolades alone, what he did, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I know he had a lot of great players around him. So did Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton had the greatest one season. You know what yep. I'm saying? I think that one season he had at Auburn was bananas. The, the shit he was doing. But let's talk about like the greatest college football player of all time. One season don't get you that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, other names that I thought, you know, should be higher than Cam Newton. I, you know, I, I would be hard-pressed not to include, you know, Cam Newton in my top ten. But, you know, I think that Reggie Bush probably deserves it. Uh, I think Tommy Frazier was the most electric player I've ever seen in college football. Um, what he did at Nebraska was just incredible. Um, I didn't obviously see Herschel Walker play, you know, college, but just seeing videos and stories. Uh, I just think that there's a lot of names here that that rank a little bit higher than than Cam Newton. So I wouldn't be, you know, against putting him in the top five, maybe top eight, but but number one overall. I, I Who's list? Is this somebody's list? Yeah, um, somebody's he's, list? He's just a national sports writer with uh, yeah. with Fox Sports. Yeah, with Fox. Yeah, he's just probably bored. So I got to make it somewhere. I can't make it just Tim Tebow one. Reggie Bush, too. They got to mix it up and get a little weird with it. I get it. Yeah, you know, and he he went different. I mean, he got clicks. I mean, he got a sports podcast that, I'll be honest with you, I don't even We're know how sure young is. I'm talking about it, right? So, um, interesting list nonetheless. All right, boys. It was top 10 college football players, not just total football. Right, yeah, college, college. Yeah, college players of all time. Uh, let's do our favorite segment, buy or sell. Silk, start with you. Kyrie Elam, buy or sell more than four intercept, four or more interceptions this season? Yeah, I buy that. Thank you. I can think of getting more than four. I think the pass rush is going to make this defense uh, very opportunistic on the back end. So, yeah, give me give me four from, for Kyrie. I'll take four. He's not going to get thrown at a lot, but I think we'll get some tip balls and a lot of opportunities, and he better jump some routes from this pass rush we'll have this year. That's why. That's why I sell. Is I, I think if you're 
game playing an offense against Florida, you see, okay, well, who who's covering? Kair. All right, well, then the other one is like a Jaden Hill or a freshman or somebody else. Hey, we're going to try that guy instead of trying Kair. I just don't think he'll have the opportunity um, that the other guys will. Um, so that's why I'll sell on four. And a lot of times, like, listen, when guys have a ton of PBUs, and like you might have a great game as a cornerback and you have like one pass breakup and two tackles. And you're like, well, is that a great game? Yeah. Like they caught one pass on him. He came up once and got one tackle and like in uh, to help the rush, but like, they're just not trying him. That's like just a yeah, sign. They scared, of respect. They scared me, fam. What do you want me to do? That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, so like you look at a guy and he's like, Oh, he had 10 interceptions. Like, well, why, how do you have so many opportunities? They were trying him or, or whatever it was. And that's a great season in its own right. But I'm thinking like, I don't think Kyrie gets, enough opportunities to get his hands on four. Yeah. Here, here, I would agree with you. This is my this is my new shtick, Dan. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk bad about everyone and it'll make its way to the locker not room. Four of these. I mean they've had to avoid some gator goats in the past and those guys have gotten more than four. So I think he gets four. We'll figure it out. But I think he gets four on one. Yeah the Gators haven't had their number one cornerback uh get four interceptions in a season since T's Tabor in twenty 20- 2016 for probably that exact reason. So I'm going to sell two, uh, but I think if anybody could do it, uh, Kyrie Lim had three uh, his freshman year, two last season. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what he does. DeJuan Black, we track the name that a lot of – We need to keep track right, of these well, and keep a scoreboard. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to keep a track of it, man. He's five six one homer over here. So <laughs> the moment we hit four, I'm going I'm to let you guys know, man. You guys should buy me drinks and stuff. Spend- Spence, we need to create a uh, a little scoreboard, and at the end of the uh, end of the year, we'll uh, the winner will get something, or the loser will have to do something. We'll figure it out, but buy or sell, we'll have a meeting. Well, we'll announce in the next what couple. Do you weeks have? Let's get this Dewan Black I mentioned. What, what do we have? All right, so Dewan Black, a fan favorite, a guy that everybody's excited to uh, to get on the campus. Dewan Black, a hundred and fifty. Or more snaps this season, buy or sell. That's like, yeah, I'll take that by that. I'm buying a lot of shit today. I got I got cash to blow down. He gets paid on Friday. He's putting all on play. You're gonna pay the advance, man. I got you, man. Buying it. <clears throat> that's that's tough. That's on him. Like I think that's on him. Well, of course it is, Nick. <laughs> learn. To learn to learn the playbook because you're you're talking about a guy that's so versatile that's hard to know and earn the coach's well, trust. Is, at their five snaps at positions. That, their snaps at that position he's playing though, right? They they pencil him in at nickel, right? That's what he penciled himself in on yeah. on social media. Well, at nickel. well, when you're doing black, you should be. If I, if I seen the nickel room, I would pencil myself in at nickel right now. If I had this, I, that's why I would pick my put myself right now. Like if I want to get a spot on the team, you know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, so shout out to Dewan Black. I think he's gonna be fine at that spot. <laughs> until, until until you find out that you have eligibility and you're penciling yourself in ahead of him. Why not? You know, nickels, <laughs> nickels wide open for the taking. Um, I'll go. I'll go by. I guess I don't know. That's I don't know if 150. Who's alive. gonna play in front of him? No, like so. So 100. So 150 no, I, is, is not a ton of snaps. You can imagine that Florida is gonna play at least 12 regular season games. In a bowl game at a minimum. So that's 13. So it's a little bit more than 10 per game. The average game usually has about 65 to 85 defensive snaps. Yeah, for sure. If you needed more information to make your informed decision. Yeah, I just yeah, think I'll go by. Now you can't 
It's a guy you just can't keep off the field, man. We just need those type of athletes. And I know this staff love guys that could just do a lot of freakish things, even if they can't tackle. So I think he's going to get that. All right, so we got to buy, a buy, and and I'll sell. I think that there uh, is going to be some players that play ahead of him. I think that he's still going to be learning the playbook. Uh, I think that he's talented, uh, but I think that if he were to eclipse that number, it's going to be because of some time on special teams and things of that nature. But uh, uh, I'm going to sell uh, because we have to have some uh, you know, disagreement in the show. Who y'all have at nickel real quick since y'all want to like sell that? It ain't the one black. Um, I'm going to in the back of my head real quick. I, I think Kamar Wilcoxon is a guy uh, that could play okay. that role. Um, and then I think um, the say are the uh, kid from Jacksonville whose name is escaping me uh, right now uh, that played last season. Um, you guys say what? I'm be honest. I'm be honest. Johnson, yeah. Out of, out of those three guys, the only thing that will keep Dwayne Black from starting over them is the playbook because he's just a different type of kid. I think he's a better athlete than those guys, but we'll see how it works out. All of yeah, that, so I, I like that. I like that room of nickels. I take that back. I wouldn't start, Nick. You wouldn't. You wouldn't start at least right away. <laughs> that was that was a quick U-turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you had you had the, the navigation was telling you, yeah, you hey, turn around, turn around. It's a lot of talent right there, man. You know what I'm saying? I was underestimating a few things. Where would you start? Nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) Where would you start at FSU? Everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. By by the way, (laughs) I can play tackle there. So just so the internet know, or just so the people that are listening uh, know what the internet, what happened on the internet this weekend, uh, FSU had a, uh, a visitor. Uh, whose last name or first name is Ba. Um, it was his last oh name. Oh, my God. Uh, and Kenny Dillingham, who's the offensive coordinator at FSU, played the Barbara Ann song from uh, the Beach Boys circa 1967-68. Um, that video got so much slack. I'm pretty sure that Zach Blostein of 247 uh, had to delete the tweet because uh, that internet – because that tweet is no longer available on the internet, so. <laughs> Yo, it got it got ratio to to like the smithereens. He had to get rid of it <laughs> to absolute oblivion. Uh, that's that's some goofy stuff. I think uh, we're gonna call Bob, it Bob Bob Bray. I was like, that's the first time I've ever seen anybody play music for an urban kid that wasn't hip hop and it was Beach Boys. That's insane. That's I, I don't even think his parents were alive when that song came out. Bob Bob Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, uh, Nick Silk, Anthony Richardson, fifty passes. I'm selling it. Sell, sell, selling fifty passes. Okay. I, I think the only time it's the same. It's the same deal. Like I, I think if you're buying that, then you're almost selling Emory Jones as a passer. And like I think that you would then be putting him in to do like. Kind of like what Denny said. It's like, well, Emory hasn't thrown the ball a lot, but why would you take him out to throw the ball, um, you know, and, and not leave Kyle Trask in there? I think Emory Jones can throw the ball. Um, there's some areas, with, you know, that we've talked about in terms of um, touch and anticipation, leading receivers, stuff like that that we're still waiting mm-hmm. to see. But if, if you believe in Emory Jones, I don't think you're taking him out just to put the other guy in to throw it. Well, so let me ask you, Nick. So last season – Or to run it because they're the same guy. So I don't even know why he would be on the field. But they do run the ball differently. 
so last season, Kyle Trask had 437 passes and Emory Jones had 32. The year before that, Kyle Trask had 354, Felipe Franks had 71, and Emory Jones had 38. So Emory Jones went down just a little bit, but it shows that Dan Mullen is willing, willing to let a backup throw the ball. Um, According to our friends, that is that's well, Hold not on, willing. hold on, Daniel, yeah. because 16 of those 32 came against Oklahoma. So – in the in the games that mattered, in the games when Florida cared, because you can't tell me mm, yeah. I was at the Cotton Bowl. You right. can't tell me that Florida really cared about winning that game. Right. Half of his passes for the year came in that one. So sure, no, but Dan, looking, but no, Dan wasn't that. giving Emory the opportunity to throw the ball. He was when it was like, hey, Kyle, you've had a great year. Uh, why don't you just ride the bench yeah, with us now? Bad, Nick. I feel you, bro. That 32 was – yeah, that thirty-two Dan, is a lie. Dan tried to lead us astray. I see. Yeah, Dan, Dan. Dan was those were those were not dandy facts. Both both Dans tried to lead us astray with that thirty-two. Yeah, that those those thirty-two were that was not a dandy fact. Because yeah. I was about to say with thirty-two. So if you look at two thousand and nineteen, just keep finding the stats and make your argument, Dan. Go ahead. <laughs> No, that's exactly what I'm doing here. So um, in 2019, <laughs> when Emory Jones threw the ball 38 times, um, he had games where he threw four, six, eight, seven, three, three, one, and six. So, you know, you're not asking for much more out of a, you know, starting um, or out of a backup, you know, quarterback than maybe one to two additional passes, you know, per game. So I'm going to buy that. I think that Florida's going to get some some big leads this season against your – we you have your teams like USF season. and FSU and stuff like that. So I'm going to go over uh, 50 passes on the year. Um, and I'm going to go double nothing think, on this bet. So Nick has to pay me. You know, I just put that on, on the board, Spence. Put yeah. that on the board. Yeah, put that on as a daily double. I just think well, even if we get up big, Dan Mullen is going to be thinking Emory Jones need reps. I, I'm not going to think – I don't think he's going to be like, yo, let me get my young boys reps. Because he didn't do that with Emory. I think he's going to be thinking like the, for the season – I need to get Emory more in-game reps and work on some things. So I don't. I just don't see the opportunities being there unless uh, Emory gets banged up or something like that. But I, I, I don't see it. I think he'll try to get Emory confidence high, get his stats up, all that type of stuff. Just to get his, you know, what I'm saying, get him some mojo yeah. looking. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. All right, I'm, last question. The streets ready for Anthony though, but they got to slow down a little bit. They are, they are ready. They are ready. All right, boys. Last question. DeMarcus Bowman, buy or sell 40 rushes? I'll buy it. I'll buy it because I don't think you're going to get um, – when Dan first came from Mississippi State, we were talking about, you know, he, he looked – he has like a bell cow and someone's going to carry the ball 65% of the, the snap, something like this. I don't think Florida's got one that will run away with it, and I think you'll see a, a, like a, a very healthy mix of those guys. Uh, maybe someone gets a hot hand in a game, and, the, and they'll get 15 carries a game. Um, but I think you'll see probably – it's probably like those low numbers, you know, when, when you get into arguments with, like, rival fans, and they're like, what do you mean he's good? He only carried the ball 32 times. And you're like, yeah, well, everyone carried the ball between 60 times and 30 times, and there's five different guys that have done that. So to give you guys some um, additional facts, because I like to be factual with my information that I provide, you make sure I'm giving you the full picture. And, uh, in every season that Dan Mullen has been here, he has had at least four players rush 40 times, including the quarterback. So, so. <sighs> hmm. 
What's up? Marcus Bowman, over, under. Oh, 40, 40. carries. By yourself, uh, 40 rushes. Yeah, I like I like 40 rushes. I, I, I'm buying that. I got a lot of money to blow today. Um, I got a better question for you. Are you buying it, Dan? What are you buying? Um, I, I do not buy that he will get 40 rushes. I think that he'll get somewhere between 25 and 30. I think that Naquan Wright, Malik Davis, uh, Damian Pierce, Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson, uh, Lorenzo Lingard all kind of chip away. Uh, and I think DeBarcus Bowman gets the opportunity to run a little bit. But uh, next season, not this one, but next season. I think it's what happens. I like, I like your take there. But this is what I think happens. I think in one of those little 20 carries you think he's getting, he gets one of them, them joints and he just goes crazy, Dan. And then Dan, he's like, he forces his way up the depth chart and then he gets more carries and some get somewhere around 40. I don't think he starts as one of the, the bell cow guys, but I think he starts picking up towards the end of the season when he makes the most of his opportunities. I like it. I like it. That ends this segment of buy and sell. And I think it's time for our Brunt Insurance ad read and little Gator News of the Week. Shout out to the great folks at Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. My man Greg is the best when it comes to customer service. I called Greg after hours on a Friday, needing some insurance on the on, on the Cushaw Studios. The next day, he sent his worker back to the office. After I was on a Friday to get me some insurance, man. So shout out to Greg, man. Uh, it's hard to find that type of customer service today. Uh, anything you need from the panhandle to the keys, my man Greg got you. Home, auto, renter's insurance, business insurance, life insurance. Give him a call at 954-589-2204 or visit bruninsurance.com. Big policies, big coverage. Let's go. Very good. All right, uh, Gator news of the week. Kyle Trask has uh, been announced that he signed his four-year, $5.5 million slotted deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So shout-out to Kyle Trask, and uh, let's get together. Let's go grab some dinner at Burns. Uh, your treat this time. Um, in Gator sports, the athletic season is done. Was it last time? No, I'll get him the second time we go. Oh, um, okay. Of the Gators sports teams, the Gators had 21. That's what I thought you were going to eat with without me, bro. I was about to be mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we get together every other week and just, uh, you know, enjoy exquisite uh, meals and hearty steaks. So, unfortunately, you as a as a non-meat eater can't enjoy, you know? Yeah, I feel you. They got yeah, salads, though. Everybody got salads. Everybody has salads. That's right. Um, of the Gators' 21 athletic programs that competed this season, tw- 16 uh, finished in the top 20 of their respective sports, including uh, one national championship uh, in team men's tennis and then one national championship in men's individual tennis and then one national championship in the men's 200-meter dash, which we'll talk about a little bit more here shortly. So congratulations to all the sports teams at the University of Florida and another great year. In men's tennis, the International Tennis Association Regional Awards came out Head coach Ben Shelton, or pardon me, a rookie uh, Ben Shelton earned Rookie of the Year. Head coach Brian Shelton uh, was named as the International Tennis Association Southeast Region Coach of the Year, and his top assistant Tanner Stump was named ITA Assistant Coach of the Year. So congratulations to those folks. In women's tennis, McCartney Kessler was named uh, the International Tennis Association's Most Improved Senior for her 
18 and three record in the Southeast. So congratulations to her in men's swimming. The qualifications are still going on, but congratulations to Kieran Smith who qualified for the Olympics in the 400 uh, meter freestyle uh, in women's tennis. They finished seventh at the NCAA championship men's track finished fourth, including an unbelievable performance. Did you guys see this run by Joseph uh, Fanboulet, who won the national championship in the 200-meter dash? I did not. It's wild. So he, he's a tall guy, big bigger dude, kind of like Usain Bolt, not comparing him to him, although he did run the 10th fastest time in college uh, history uh, with a 9.91. Uh, but he had a, a bit of a slower start out of the blocks. Uh, they make that turn, and then he just glides like a gazelle running, uh, overtakes the lead, holds off a challenge from, I believe it was LSU, uh, at the finish line, but just looked like an absolute machine uh, when he was at his top end. So if you haven't seen it, uh, check out the Stadium and Gale Twitter feed. It's there. Uh, Nick, Corey, uh, go watch. It is an absolute feat of, uh, of uh, magic to watch. Uh, Aubrey Monroe made the United States uh, softball uh, team in Mark Kolozavari. Kolozavari, very good. Uh, made the USA baseball team for the Tokyo Olympics. So congratulations to them. And then Nick, in very small minor baseball news, the Cape Cod Summer League is out. And it looks like, according to my count, about six players have made rosters, um, including Timmy Manning, Brandon Sprout, mm -hmm. Hunter Barco, Nathan Hickey, Josh Rivera and Colby Halter. Yeah, I think Hickey is uh, – he'll be there just until the draft. I expect him to get drafted and signed. Okay. <clears throat> so congratulations to those. Nick, tell us a little bit about that. Are they uh, – obviously they're not paid, but but what is the Cape Cod Summer League? Are they playing just against other college kids or, or what? It, what is the, the Summer League? Yeah, so the Cape Cod's the most prestigious. Like, that's the one where there's a bunch of summer leagues. There's the Northwoods, the Coastal League, which is like in the Carolinas. Um, but Cape Cod's the most famous one. Um, it's a wood bat league, and you're going to be facing guys who are, um, you know, the elite of the elite. And it's uh, a huge in terms of MLB drafts, stuff like that. Um, they, you go up, you stay with the host family. Um, and it's a big deal up there. I, I would love to go up for a summer. I'm sure the the Cape is beautiful. Um, nice 70-degree weather. It's already 147 in Gainesville. Summer is here. So it would be a nice trip. But um, it's a really competitive um, summer league for these guys and a great opportunity to, uh, to get scouted by, you know, uh, major league scouts and teams. Well, congratulations to those guys. I can think of worse places to spend my summer than Cape Cod. Well, boys, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Silk, did you get your package from Manscaped? Ooh. Not did you get your package, Manscaped, but did you get your package from Manscaped? Uh, my package is nice and looking because of Manscaped. I'll tell you that. But no, I got the package, but I haven't opened it. It is a shaver plus a, a deodorizer and mm. I, I have to double check. But package it's sitting on my, my counter. package. Yeah, package for your package. Shots to the great folks at manscaped.com. We got some deodorizer. We got some deodorant. We got some clippers. What else we got in there, Daniel? Uh, so you have the lawnmower 4.0, which everybody needs to own. You have the weed whacker, 
right? You you have the ball deodorant, which we have consistently and we'll just a regular talk like, about. Yeah, that's a regular like necessity, fellas. So if you live in life without ball deodorant, you got musty balls out here, you're living unrighteous. See, I haven't, yeah. I haven't gotten that package yet. I might, I might just have to use code SG and, and have it sent to my house right now because I haven't gotten the deodorant, the powder. Also, you got you well, It's, you not, a, it's not a powder. It's a, it's a lotion. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so, you got a musty package right now because you haven't got your package. I told you it's hot in Gainesville. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's but it's Father's Day, right? So um, not father. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Nobody calls him Daddy, Dan. <laughs> when yet. is when is not a Father's Day, Dan? Do we just celebrate celebrate That's that three sixty four? Yeah, y'all celebrate that every time y'all go buy condoms. But easy, easy, easy. Um, all right, so tell us a little bit more about Manscaped. I forgot my bad. I forgot your mom. Listen, shout out to the great folks at Manscaped.com, man. The best of the best when it comes to men grooming. My package is nice, trim cut. You know, uh, I gotta give it a little nice little Caesar fade. Uh, I'm excited to open this new package and, and, and figure out if they got me a new fragrance on the ball deodorant. Be sure to use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Very good. I was at the store. I was at Target with my 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 brother-in-law this past week, and he was about to buy Manscaped while we was, we was going to the line. I was like, yo, what are you doing? He's like, buy some, buy some Manscaped. I was like, dog, I know you don't listen to my podcast. Don't even so there, lie. I mean, there's no, there's no coming back from that. You can't lie your way out of that one. <laughs> no. I was like, bro, I get you 20% off. You about to get robbed in here. Put that back. I got a coupon code for you. That's wild. We've been sponsored by Manscaped for a solid year, and he had no idea. Yeah, he mm. lies to me. That's why he listens to all my shows. Mm. <laughs> well, brings another great episode to an end. Silk, I believe you have the song of the week. He was bragging about it on, on Twitter, too. Yeah, man. You should be ready. I am ready. Question. Don't rush greatness. I'm playing with Larry <laughs> June. I'm going to Larry June, man. Um, Grand Nash Chronicles. Nice little tune from a good fellow out of the San Francisco area, Nick. The Bay Area. Yeah, shout out to the Bay. Numbers. Hey, 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 hey. I just learned that Larry June was on tour with Post Malone. Yo, Larry June's fire, man. Yeah, He's fire. Looking forward to hearing my first song from Larry June. <laughs> I'm not shocked by that. He's a numbers guy, Dan, so you get along with him. Hmm. Larry Eugene Hendricks III. Looking forward to listening to your song, my friend. <laughs> hey, same corner, same time, man. Same corner, same time. See you guys next week. Deuces. Had to gas up the Grand Nash to go and bend the block. Bend the block. Bend the block. Had to gas up the Grand Nash to go and bend the block. Bend the block. Had to gas up the Grand Nash to go and bend the block. Bend the block. Had to gas up the Grand Nash to go and bend the block. Bend the block. Fire up the G body, quick low stow run. Might have to franchise it, nigga. We done made a ton. Still get them flashbacks. 
Took 30 day run, still tryna better myself Still learning love On the San Mateo Bridge, took the C4 vet Used to think she really fucked with me until she felt the pressure Enterprising, money in my bank keep me stimulated Partnership, build with the family then we elevate Ownership, fuck buying cars, cop real estate Love all your flaws, my nigga, and keep getting cake Cause who to say the shit a flaw anyway Fuck how a nigga feel, fuck what a bitch say Gas up the Grand Nasty going been the block, been the block. Pass the gas up the Grand Nasty going been the block, been the block. Pass the gas up the Grand Nasty going been the block, been the block. Pass the gas up the Grand Nasty going been the block, been the block. To my energy, too much shit to been crazy Bunch of haters been on my bumper, ain't nothing gon' phase me Witness homies turn into enemies, nothing amaze me Why these people be sleeping on me, I feel like they lazy Lately I done stayed in my lane, trying to focus on life How they went and ran up their bag, trying to run it up twice Even though I feel I'm on top, I'm trying to reach new heights All I know is don't sell my peace, nigga, fuck they price Got me feeling like Kelly, all I do is win Baby, ain't no lack in my pimpin' All I do is friends Look mama go off the dome We don't do the pen Ever did me dirty as fuck em. We don't do a pen Pass the gas up the Grand Nash To go and bend the block Pass the gas up the Grand Nash To go and bend the block Rug, negotiating bigger numbers Be cool, baby, this shit Persian You know how I'm coming Take chances, only fuck with the people that really love you 60 grand for the platinum rollie But I keep it settled You were stressed out about the bitch I was doing numbers We don't fantasize about shit We just keep it coming Ride my bike to my boba shop Had a quick lunch Stop by Reno's Know that champagne came in clutch Performance texture, linen on the couch I have been going up I ain't sat still with four months I been getting bucks People never really happy for you They just want something Pass the gas up the Grand Nash The Grand Nash Pass the gas up the Grand Nash To go and bend the block Bend the block Pass the gas up the Grand Nash To go and bend the block Bend the block Pass the gas up the Grand Nash To go and bend the block Bend the block Pass the gas up the Grand Nash To go and bend the block Bend the block